Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome to HLM29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. I'm Kevin. He's Glenn. We're recording on a Sunday evening, uh, shortly after the conclusion of the Hawks preseason. Uh, Glenn, maybe we should start there then. What, what did you think of uh, game four of the preseason, a loss to the Pelicans in Birmingham, Alabama? Yeah, I mean, it looked for wait, the wait, wait, I got to stop you. I got to stop you. Wait, somebody's walking in front of the camera. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. I, I was wondering what happened. I couldn't see you. It was, like, it was just the back of someone's head. So um, I can I can only give you commentary for the, well, roughly one third of the game I saw, you know, because I was, you know, that wasn't <laughs> obscured by, you know, fans, fans. Um, I mean, for the starters, it looked like a group that was playing their last preseason game and had kind of already accomplished, you know, mostly the, what they wanted to accomplish and, and such, uh, apart from, I think a was is still trying to get uh, kind of some jump shot range kind of, kind of dialed in a little bit, you know, and it looked, it looked rough there, but it's still early in the season. But, you know, for me, uh, it, you know, and I, and going by the content you put out on Twitter afterward, I think the, the Jalen Johnson material was the, only really big significant takeaway I had. I, I was just, you know, we, we talked before about how in game three, he was pretty tentative, you know, not super aggressive, not super assertive. And we talked about how, you know, when he's playing, you know, with other rotation players, it can be a very different role that he had in college park last year, where he was sort of the, the, one of the primary initiators on offense. Uh, in this game though, kind of, playing mostly with guys who aren't in the rotate aren't going to be in the rotation he was kind of back in the role he was in with college park last year kind of initiating playing center on defense uh and it just looked he looked like a completely different player he looked he looked great um but that's the dichotomy when you're watching stuff like that it's like wow look at these things he can do look at these things he's capable of doing i was most shocked with how effectively he was organizing them on defense how well, he was communicating how he was pointing things out and calling action, you know, guys lifting from the corner. Hey, you know, watch the guy in the corner. He's about to lift into a DHL. Yeah, that's just not something that um, even last year when you watched the college park games, that that stuff came and went a little bit, but not it wasn't nearly to what we saw in game four. That was encouraging. And, you know, he had a nice grab and go. Uh, he, he was a much more willing shooter when he uh, was set up for an open shot at the three-point line. So, you know, but still the, the dichotomy of watching that is, okay, how how does this fit in to what they're going to ask him to do and what they're in need of him when he's on the court with, you know, uh, other legitimate rotation players? And I think that's going to be a challenge uh, for him and for the coaching staff. 
But at the same time, it's exciting to see like, okay, this is exceptional athleticism that he has, you know, an emerging set of skills. Now it's like, how do you, how do you fit that into what, what they're going to need him to do in the spot he's going to have in the rotation? So that's something to watch. So, um, but yeah, I loved, absolutely thoroughly enjoyed watching him play in game four. Um, but we'll see how he can apply that in a rotational context, you know, from the start of the season here. Uh, as, as a sidebar, you know, I, I asked Nate today, partly because of, of some of the Jalen minutes where we got to see him sort of as a centerpiece with the ball in his hands, you know, is he fully expecting to, you know, stagger Trey and DeJounte for an extended number of minutes? And yeah, he said that that, that that's certainly going to be a key part, but you know, we, got, we got to see what it looked like with Jalen getting the ball a lot, and, and that seemed to get him into his comfort zone, like you noted. Uh, my biggest, there were a couple of things that I was sort of thinking going into that Pelicans game. One was, and this is kind of going back to really the game before, if you try to, you know, take a close look at his defense, you know, it, it's not perfect. Uh, there are going to be mistakes. And there's even going to be like the nuance, you know, things where it's like, okay, you know, he's making this play. He didn't take the greatest angle to go make it. Uh, you know, you'd like to see him kind of cut it and, and go this way a little bit tighter, uh, you know, and, and be a little bit more efficient. But he's so big and so quick and athletic that he's going to have a bigger margin for error than a lot of players. It doesn't have to be a hundred percent. Like if he's trying and if he's got 90% of the technique, right, he's good enough athletically, like that the other 10% isn't as crucial as it needs to be. I mean, you'd like to get him to that someday, but like he can kind of fudge it a little bit. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I had a, uh, inside of me a little kind of danger will robinson kind of response because i i had a lot of people on twitter last year saying just play Jalen. it doesn't matter that he doesn't know how to play defense he's just so athletic he'll and like i was like that's not how it works like right he's still got to get to a certain point but then that right. the the last three steps towards the finish line is is that part that i think he can blur yeah and i think he's i think what we saw in game four was that perhaps maybe He's taking a pretty big step forward from where he was last year. And even across last year, he was doing a number of things, team defense much better at the end of the year than the beginning of the year. Still struggles when he's put to a screen. We kind of talked about that. And 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 we'll have to see kind of, okay, where is he now? You know, but there's a lot of encouraging things. Like he, I, I was, like I said, I was so impressed with him organizing them um, and such. And, you know, and you know, I've talked like, what if the Hawks in the next year or two go towards, playing more like Raptors kind of lineups where it's a Kongu starting a center. If, if they like, you know, chose to trade Clint, if they thought that was starting to do. And then Jalen and, and JC kind of mixing in with the four or five, you know, and, and I was just encouraged to see the organizing and the communicating that he was doing. It made me feel a lot better that to your point, there's a lot he needs to improve on. And, and, and even with the improvement we've seen, the big question for someone of his age is how consistent can he be? And we should not have super high expectations. He's hardly played in actual NBA games, right? Uh, but can that consistency get marginally better month over month over month? 
And and could he, you know, kind of be a fairly reliable young player in the second half of the season if the coaching staff, if Nate and his coaching staff can't commit to supporting him through the reps and minutes he needs to stabilize his play and hopefully move towards more consistent performance? You know, we'll have to see if that's something Nate can can handle. You know, um, we all, you know, Nate likes his veterans and it might be one of those things where a lot of NBA coaches these days, Nate's old school, we know that, will play their younger guys in the first half. And then if in the second half, they'll tighten up their rotation if it's a tough game and go down to a kind of a shorter rotation and not necessarily put those guys on in the second half. And so it could, if Nate's doing it kind of like the rest of the league has been doing the last two or three years where you kind of see that shift across the game, that could be a thing that we see, but just, you know, I was concerned about him in game three because he just looks so, um, you know, just the, he's lacking initiative and just there was no aggressiveness. Uh, so, so I just so much more encouraged. I, the other thing, you know, you and I talked about the third game that the defense was really rough when he and AJ were on together. And that was not the case in game four. Uh, they, they were organized in game four. So I, it looked clear to me that they had kind of looked at what happened. And, you know, I think even that case, they were both being a little tentative on the weak side. Like, are, are you making a decision about how you line up here? Or am I making a decision? Which is common for two young guys out there. But every time that they wound up on the weak side in the fourth game, they were on it, you know, in terms of who need to be where and all that. So it was just so nice to see that improvement in those areas from game three to game four. It makes me feel a little bit more encouraged that maybe Nate will ride these guys, um, you know, uh, and give them the opportunity to get the reps and get the experience and get the playing time they need to become contributors, um, important contributors as the season you know, progresses. Yeah. Uh, I, I almost, you know, your, your point about the, the bench is shortening in the second half. I almost feel like he might survive that. Like it, it might happen, but it might be somebody else. Like I, I, I think Nate is uh, excited to see what he's, what he has. And you know, he, he's, he's talked at times about the pairing of Collins and, and a Kongwu. So, you know, I think the flip side of that would be, you know, maybe we'll see some minutes where Jalen plays more with Clint Capella. And I'd be, I'd certainly be interested to, to see what that looks like. Yeah. There's some nice protection for him there. You know, if he makes mistakes, Clint's more uh, capable of kind of cleaning things up you know, on the back end and things like that. So that's a, you know, a way to kind of downplay a little bit of the risk early in the season. But yeah, I think you know, the other thing that I thought was, you know, I've been excited about Okongwu becoming a little bit more of an initiator in the offense. I think you know, I think you and I both talked about his passing skill is about already above average for a center. Yeah. Um, pretty good, pretty good ball handler, you know, at this point too. Probably not above average, but probably average at this point already. Um, but when he and Jalen are on, it's like, you know, is are are you like, no, we want Jalen to create here. And we're and if we're choosing a four or a five to kind of come up and work in screen and getting that short roll and, and all of that like which one do you prioritize with other it might be matchup based you know, depending upon you know who, what the opponent has kind of the five or the four right. but it's but it's 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 uh interesting to kind of just think about like which way would, do i think they should go you know if, if both of those guys are on together which could happen thinking about how first unit second unit kind of kind of lines up so it'll be interesting to see how how they uh kind of handle that prioritization and like i said it might be a game-to-game matchup to matchup kind of situation but still i'm still interested to see how that looks when the season gets going here 
uh, uh, do you have anything else that you want to talk about either with regard to Jalen or preseason game number four? I don't think so. My, my trade prediction on technical fouls is like still looking worse and worse. <laughs> it's not great. I don't know what he did. Did, to did get you ever that hear? One. I no. mean, he, he didn't look surprised to get it. I, I mean, it looked like nothing, but then he also didn't look surprised to get it. So I'm not, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was like a ventriloquist trick, trick where he said something he was supposed to say, but didn't really make any demonstrable uh, yeah. projection of what he was trying to say. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm excited for the, the regular season to get here. I, I don't know if we have, I, we, I know we might talk for a few minutes about their first game against Houston Wednesday, but I don't know that we've taken a few minutes to kind of just talked about bogey status. I mean, I, I don't think we've heard anything official, but it just seems not good <laughs> um, in terms of kind of where he might be and uh, getting ready to be able to kind of return. So, you know, to me that um, impacts like what, minutes AJ might get you know even here to start the season you know um and and so I, I just don't know if you're closer to all of that than I am you know I'm not in any, any media availability and things like that but I'll just say from my vantage point it just doesn't sound good but maybe you can add any context in that you might want to based upon what you're hearing there I mean it's, uh, I guess the the best descriptors that I could give you is that you know he's he's not practicing like he's not he's at practice and he's doing shooting after practice, but he's not in any sort of live ball uh, portion of the practice. It seems like most times he's just shooting after shooting after practice with Kyle Korver. Uh, I I don't know that I would want to try to teach bogey anything about shooting. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like I get it. Uh, like you know, Kyle's Kyle's obviously a good teacher, and obviously was a great shooter. It's just, whew, it, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, you know, you can see them working on different technique today. He was like trying to tell Bogey that, uh, you know, he was he's trying to have him practice take longer strides into his into his pull up jump shots, and and I think the idea was to sort of engage the lower body so that you know he he would be using more of his legs for lift if he he took the longer strides into it but uh i would say that like in terms of like what does it look like physically like when he's doing those shots like as of like a couple of days ago uh you know it was it was a lot of form shooting but it was a form shooting with a lot of knee bends like yeah i think he was trying to kind of you know, do some deep knee bends with the sore knee and kind of use them and test the strength and rise up after a deep knee bend for some form shooting. Today, it looked like there was a little bit more to it. Nate said today that he's not going to play in the preseason opener, but when he was shooting Corver, you know, instead of just sort of jump shots or form shooting, it did look like he was practicing some things like Euro steps where he was putting some torque on the knee. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, just a little glimpse of a, a bright spot that he's getting to that kind of point. Cause I'm not sure he was doing that kind of stuff a few days ago. Mm. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's a good sign. I, I just wonder how much like running and sprinting and stopping he's doing. That's the thing that I would be most curious about. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure that we get to see that. Like, I don't think he would have any limitations in terms of like, Hey, can you go run on a treadmill? Like he, 
I, I think that's probably easy. And like, he's probably not in game shape conditioning wise, but I'm sure he can do any kind of full sprints. I, I think it's like, you know, the twisting and the turning of the knee. And sure. The, and, stopping and, and starting, think that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Stopping and starting. And I think, and we don't get to see that part of practice where he's probably doing sprints or he's in the back doing cardio on a treadmill or something. But uh, it, it does look like the shooting is starting to involve a little bit more torque, a little bit more stopping, starting, twisting. So, yeah, I, we'll see. I'm just, I'm just curious if we see him at Octo- in October at all. I think that's got to be over. Yeah, I mean, that's probably close. Like, I probably, I mean, if you had to ask me on that, maybe no. I mean, the season doesn't start till what, the 19th? Right. So there's not that many days in there. And I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that seems about the, the right window, like first week of November or that. Maybe that's right. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I thought we should just kind of update at least like what we're hearing and what you're seeing and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've talked about kind of, you know, a soft start, I guess you might say, in terms of playing teams that are at least statistically projected to be bottom five or so in the league, depending on what you think about the Hornets in their current form. But, you know, get the Rockets and the Magic. Um, and I'm surprised. Like, I was looking through the statistical models today because I'm working on my 1 through 15 projections that I'll put out probably on sometime on Tuesday. Um, but I was surprised that the Magic are ranking out so low, you know. But, um, you know. But they they have they're they're pretty solid group for a young group, you know, um, in my view. But anyway, Houston first. I, you know, I I think Houston's gonna win the fewest number of games in the league. They, they're they're so young. I mean, they are they have to be the youngest team in the league, and they're gonna play young guys, you know, the whole way through. Um, and and so there's you know it's it's always interesting to have your first game against a rambunctious but talented and a lot of really raw, good raw athleticism uh, combined with some young guys who have some interesting skill like uh, Shingun and um, guys like that. But I mean, I, honestly, the Hawks, when you look at Rockets, Magic, Hornets, Pistons, Pistons, I think are the first five, if I have that right. You know, they should have an ambition to win four of those games at least, you know, um, but I mean, the, the first week or two of the season is always just a little bit – for me, it's like I don't want to put, like, too firm expectations around anything when it comes to the first couple of weeks of the season because it, it just takes teams to kind of – a little time to kind of settle in. But um, but they should be able to get, you know, three wins, hopefully four, from, you know, from their vantage point to kind of get up, you know, because we've talked about once they get through those five, the schedule gets rough for about 18 games <laughs> after that. So – uh anything specific you're expecting out of the gate with their first game i would say no i mean i i you know speaking of injuries i would sort of expect that clint capella plays like i i think right. you know, he's he's dealing with the finger hand thumb not sure exactly what it is we'll see what it is when i guess we'll get a first uh, official report tuesday but you know he said today that it's it's feeling good like he's been a participant in practice i think he, he he looked like he had his his sweat on today. So, uh, you know, I I think the defense will be good. Like I'm I'm still just super high on Capella. Yep. <laughs> I just think that he's still sort of, uh, you know, in preseason mode. Not not necessarily. You know, 
I don't even mean that as a bad thing, just in, even in terms of like minutes and, you know, it, it's pretty much like a first half and then maybe a little bit here and there in the second half. Like, I think he's, he's ready to go. Um, I'm excited to see what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. Should be, I mean, it's going to, it's funny. I'm going to be driving back home as they play their first two to three games. And so it's, I, I'm not even quite sure how my schedule is going to work out. I'm going to try to be uh, in front of a TV or a laptop live to see all three of those games, but uh, I'll be driving back from Minnesota to Washington state. So it's going to be like a blur to me. <laughs> I'm sure when I'm back home, the, all three games will be like a mashup in my head and I won't, you know, and I won't actually be able to kind of reflect back, but in that sense, um, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a fast start. Any kind of a high level, perspective you have around just the league like like what who do you think are going to be the best teams in each conference regular season based on regular season wins you know um i i was looking again i've been looking through the statistical models just comparing my own notes and, and my own kind of work i guess it's like the statistical models love boston still and i get it right um i don't know how you bake in their coaching situation and i there's no way for us to know from afar like is is that a significant impact or have they kind of got everything under control and everything's kind of calm there? So it's so hard to know. The statistical models love Miami. And I think the consensus is pretty low on Miami um, around at least the people I talk to and stuff. Um, and, and so, you know, if, if, I think, I think the Sixers are going to be a really good regular season team, like really good regular season team. But I think if I had to pick them on the East, I think I would go, um, probably Boston and one Milwaukee two, Philadelphia three. And then it's kind of wide open from there, whether you're talking about, um, you know, heat Hawks Raptors, um, you know, how good is Cleveland? You know, are they in that tier? It wouldn't shock me just because they're so just because Jared Allen is so freaking good defensively and is going to kind of clean up a lot of what their my issues might be. So, so for me in the East, I think I have Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, one, two, three. But um, the West is like a wide open to me. But in the East, do you see it that way or do you see something different than I do? Yeah, I think I think the East is – I guess the two things I would say about the East is I, I think that they just continue to get stronger. Like I just – I think the East is deeper. I, I – cling to my conviction of, of what I said last postseason, which is that, you know, Boston and Milwaukee beating up on each other was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to Golden State. Like, right. I think that was a huge factor in why Golden State was able to win the finals is that Boston just came in with, you know, Tatum really dinged up and just being really low on the, on the energy health meter. Uh, I thought they opened the throttle. Maybe they had to uh, too much to get through the East. Right. Uh, but they were playing incredible minutes. Tatum, you know, had that whole shoulder thing. And I just, I think the East is deep. I think the East was deep. I think the East got deeper. Agreed. Uh, I think a lot of the talent shifted from West to East in the off season with, with, with guys like DeJounte and uh, Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you, you, you're, you're dinging uh, teams in the West and adding them to good teams in the East. That's, that's a potent combination. It, and uh, I just think the East is deeper again. Uh, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, that, that seems about right to me. Um, 
I think the West is where it gets interesting. I, I, I really don't have any uh, bold dashing predictions about the East. I think it's going to be kind of uh, standard fare. I think you look at like the standings from last season, I think Chicago just is going to plummet from that. And you're going to see the same teams that were good generally be good. And then, and then none of us know what to make of the Nets. Like I didn't throw the Nets out there. The Nets could be, the Nets could be second, like the two seed. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't be shocked if Ben Simmons played their whole season and Kyrie, you know, was kind of available and all that sort of stuff. Or they could like be six seven again, you know, kind of in that range all over again. And it would surprise. I, don't, I just don't know what the base my expectations of them on. <laughs> right. So, but they could show up in, in anywhere and in, in any of those tiers for me. And, and the West is hard because I, I think we know the Warriors are going to, you know, play the regular season to kind of in third gear, I think, you know, um, I think the Grizzlies could win the most games in the West this year. Uh, it's, they're such a good regular season team and they're so well coached and there's a lot of continuity for them, which I think helps you get to a, off to a fast start. Um, I think the Pelicans could be top four in the, in the conference uh, this year. They just play so hard and, um, but, you know, it's like, does, does Zion kind of mess up their soup or does he, does he make it better or worse, for, at least in the beginning? You know, you have to fully integrate him and all that sort of stuff. You know, I've been here in Minnesota for, you know, a number of weeks now and talked to kind of my folks here around, you know, Towns, Gobert, how does that kind of work? And it would, I mean, I think the, the Wolves could win a lot of games you know, in the regular season. If Towns kind of buys into kind of all of these changes and Towns is just kind of a, a tough guy to, to know what to base expectations on, you know, he, he's kind of his a little bit of a different guy, you know? And so for me, I kind of think about all those groups. I think Dallas is going to have to get a lot from Dinwiddie because they're missing Brunson this year. I think that's going to have, you know, that's going to have an impact Phoenix. Um, I mean, has Monty talked to Aiden yet? <laughs> I hope so. I don't you know. Care. The, I, yeah. For me, that's still like, I've, I still believe in Phoenix. Like, yeah, I, I think they are getting uh, sold short. Yeah, I, I yeah, think, they I, I think they're right good there I, in terms of regular season wins. Uh, yeah, with every yeah. other team in the West. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I don't, I don't think they'll pull away like they did last year. No, but I, you know, so, so if anything, it's just kind of coming back to whatever that tier is. And then the Clippers, it's like, I mean, if they get Kawhi and Paul George the whole season, they could eat very easily be the number one seed you know very easily be the top seed out yeah, there so, I mean, and then i, I haven't talked about then i haven't that. talked about yeah because even even like a healthy Kawhi season he's only going to play 60 games like there's i i, I wouldn't be like i wouldn't want to bet against them in the playoffs but i don't think that they're geared up to be like this regular season dynamo like maybe top four if everything goes right yeah uh, I, I think they're good. I think their supporting players are are kind of younger and emerging, you know, Kennard and Mann and all of those guys. And, you know, I think they're, I think they're good. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I have no idea. Like for me, I think, I think if I, if you say Glenn, tell me the team's going to win the most regular season games, I think it might be Memphis. Um, and, and the only reason I put them ahead of Phoenix is that Chris Paul, you know, I mean, can we count on more than 55 games just based upon his kind of broader truck record, you know, you know, and we'll kind of see. So I, I think I have them as my most likely team to kind of have the first seed out there. Um, Denver, I think they're good. I think Denver is going to miss Monty Morris, you know, um, you know, and um, and some of their changes, I think, are going to be tough, you know, for them. 
So I think yeah, I don't think the reintegration is going to be seamless. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're adding a lot of healthy talent that has been there in the past, but right. you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of Michael Porter Jr. with Aaron Gordon. Like, that's that's not a seamless transition. Michael, I mean, and, and Michael Porter Jr. like isn't necessarily the easiest player to mesh around. Right. Uh, I, yeah, you, you swap out Barton for KCP minutes, right? It's, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and then what are the Lakers? Like, what in the world, like, I know you and I both believe in Darvin Ham, but it's it's a LeBron Lakers team. It's like what in the world do we expect of them? So, yeah, I think I think the Lakers are probably you know mid forties. I think Denver is probably high forties. I think Clippers are you know low fifties. If I had to guess, you know around there, Phoenix low fifties, New Orleans right around fifty. You know, it's kind of where I would put kind of all those groups. Dallas high forties, I think is maybe where I put them. I. I don't know how in the world Luca could take another step, you know, there and, and with less help, especially. Um, and then I think the Timberwolves are high forties as well. So I mean, that's just that's it's like one through seven in the West or so, or whatever the right number is, going to be so tight. I just think Memphis carries so much, um, so much continuity into this year. I think they're that coaching staff really has those guys committed to playing together and playing for each other. And, and, and the NBA season is a grind and that kind of stuff matters. They, they, I mean, Taylor will play those guys like 13, 14, 15 deep across the grind of the season. And they trust those 13, 14, 15 guys, you know, more than any other team. I think in the league trust guys at that, you know, to kind of come in and work the system and play the system. I think that's going to benefit them. Um, well, I, I know people on, on Twitter will ask me like about awards predictions. I despise award predictions. I, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> wow. You know, um, oh, I gotta go delete that episode idea. <laughs> yeah. So if you have some, feel free to throw it out there. It's just like, um, I mean, I, I don't know how to predict how voters are going to, I I can look at coaching staff, rosters, you know, changes, additions, subtractions, all that sort of stuff. What voters are going to do? I, I, I just, at the beginning of the season, I can't, I can't mentally try to, get my head around that you could tell me like glenn basically if you were the singular decider i could give you like who i think will be the best players and things like that but when it comes to like well how will the voting go i i can't do it that's fair i mean i guess to kind of i sort of it, it kind of goes with what we were just talking about the west like i i'm much lower on dallas this year because of the brunson loss but i think it would help Luca's MVP chance. Sure. The combination of, you know, voter fatigue on Jokic. Jokic, I just, I, I like I said, with Denver, it's just going to be a different scene. So he's not going to have to do as much. Uh, I think Luca's a, a decent bet for MVP this season, but I, I don't like the, you know, Dallas as a team for the reasons that you just outlined. You know, I think for me, the, the three that I'm counting on, to kind of open the throttle and, and get near the top of the regular season wins list at Phoenix, New Orleans, and Memphis are, are the three that that I'm looking at with with sort of Golden State, uh, Minnesota, Dallas kind of chiming in behind that. Maybe the Clippers if if they get that healthy season. But, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't I don't really have any super strong feelings on awards either. So. I would just say that for the West, though, like, 
I just feel like you have to do like a complete refresh when you talk about who's going to do well. In the yeah. yeah. It's like, like what, what you say about the regular season is different about uh, than than what you expect in the playoffs. Like I would be higher on Denver's playoff chances than I, I was just kind of poo pooing what I'm expecting for the regular season. But like, if they get through the grind and they get through healthy and they've got this talent, when they get to the playoffs, they're kind of getting to a point where, you know, they're maturing. They've seen more of the playoffs. They're going to have more talent. Like, I would be kind of bullish on what what to expect from a Denver team in the playoffs. Same for like the Clippers, uh, you know, Golden State. I would, I would, you know, I expect a whole. I guess probably everybody expects a whole lot more from them in the playoffs now that that they've seen. Right. It. But I don't expect them to be this great regular season juggernaut. But sure. they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, I, I think they're going to safely be in the top six. But I don't, I don't think they're going to care whether they're three four five or six as long as they're not having to play those extra games right in the play-in right um that's there uh yeah i mean i i think that for so your mvp thing i think your comment i think it made me realize like, i think mvp is kind of a lucas the way the season starts i think it's kind of lucas award to win he's kind of default head of the group as when the season starts i, I think that's probably how the voters feel i think that's how the people kind of the, around the league feel is that he's kind of um, ascending, you know, in, in a way. And, and, I, and I think he's kind of the front runner uh, for that award. If I'm just kind of basing it on what I think the feel is across the people who vote, you know, and things like that. Any of the rest, uh, you know, no, no clue. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the changes in Dallas is so, I mean, it's going to be interesting, you know, they uh, had changes at center position, Yep. that make it interesting and make it's going to see like can they replicate the defensive performance they had last year jason kidd is he a really a different coach than he was in milwaukee you know um can, can he replicate that in year two so so dallas is to me is one of the most fascinating teams to watch you know they're getting uh you know thj back you know dinwiddie will have the whole preseason to kind of integrate and and all that sort of stuff. And that's the, that's where the help is going to come from for Lucas, those two guys, you know. Right. Um, um, but I, I love a lot of the guys on on that roster. Um, you know, Doran Fendi Smith being, you know, top of my list, Maxi Kleva, you know, things like that. So I, the West is so, so wide open. Um, that's going to be fascinating to see, like, how hard did the Clippers, you know, you know, put their foot on the gas for the whole season? You know, uh, you know what do the Warriors actually you know, how hard do they actually try? You know, how does, to your point, how does Denver integrate their guys? How in the world does Chris Finch handle integrating this, um, you know, non-traditional kind of, you know, twin tower kind of scenario? It's just, it's going to be super fascinating. I think the East is going to feel a little bit like last year where it was kind of a, a real, you know, race the whole way for kind of the pecking order, you know, but the West is like just a different, completely different organism uh, than it was last year i think so should should be fun should be what, fun I, i'm what, what, excited you you not i think i'm asking you a question that's not unfair to ask even though it's kind of certainly very detailed but like what, what do you what do you expect minnesota to do defensively when when towns and gobert are in there together like what, where do you put towns do teams try to picket towns is there a way to do it is there a way to cover it up so that it's not quite the liability i mean like what's going to happen there like it's going to be a different role for him than maybe what he's been used to 
Yeah, so so there's two parts, right? Like, what is what what is the plan that Minnesota will love to execute? I think it's going to be funnel everybody towards Rudy, let Rudy kind of own the paint, right? Right. Um, let Towns be the weak side rim protector, the sort of the JC role, you know, mm-hmm. that he plays for Atlanta, you know, and things like that. But I I think opposing teams are going to try really hard to get Rudy up out of the paint. They're going to run a lot of one five pick and roll, two five pick and roll, depending on you know what the other team has to offer and force Towns to be the guy actually protecting the rim because that's the best way to get him into foul trouble. You know, he mm-hmm. Towns still fouls a ton as a rebounder, and Minnesota's banking on Rudy kind of taking a lot of rebounding load off of Towns and helping that keep Towns out of foul trouble. Um, I think they'd be happy to say if the other team's going to put their small forward or power forward in the weak side corner, we're just going to put Towns on whichever one you put over there, and we'll kind of, kind of play on. Um, will teams choose to – bring Rudy up, you know, with a pick and roll, uh, you know, bringing his man up or will they put town in it because towns is pretty terrible navigating the pick and roll. You know, it, I, I think there's some stuff to work out. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. They've looked, they look, I think they played one game together and they looked awful in their, in the one game that they played together. They looked absolutely awful, but how seriously were they taking it? You know, how, how much of the actual full plan were they trying to, execute i don't know i think very highly of chris finch you know super highly of him but uh you know how much of a party are they gonna let ant freelance a lot this year kind of do his thing like if so how does that work with rudy who is robotic as a as an offensive pick and roll guy i mean he's like in the right spot you know setting the right angle Ant just kind of you know doing kind of ad living is going to be kind of just a strange fit there so it's, it's a weird kind of formula for them um, but I, but I think Chris, Chris Finch is, you know, one of the better coaches in the league and we'll, we'll see how he kind of gets his, his arms around that. But the, I mean, Jade McDaniels is like one of my favorite uh, emerging kind of guys, you know, so um, can't wait to see kind of what happens with them. But I think, yeah, I think the East is going to be a little bit more of a replay, the West wide open and we'll go from there. All right. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. And uh, we've got some real games to talk about now. Can't wait. (laughs) Have a good night. You too, thanks. Mr. Murray. What's going on? Not you. you. Not you, man. (laughs) Now that you've had some time to get some live play with the, the guys with the, against other teams. I mean, where do you guys feel like you stand as far as that competitive mindset that Nate wants you guys to build, um, especially as you guys build your identity? Uh, I mean, as far as the competitive part, uh, competitive part uh, I think we're on the right road. Uh, but where we want to go, it's a long ways, uh, and that's the, the beauty of it. Uh, you know, we want to be able to have room to improve. Uh, you know, growth is an important thing in life in general, and obviously we play basketball as well. So, you know, you just want to grow, taking one one step at a time, and, and build together. I mean, what do you, I guess, put as the first major goal that you guys want to accomplish? You know, to get off on the right foot. Oh, uh, how we in here competing every day, uh, translated to the games, and the good part about that is, you know, we're not competing against each other. We have to go compete against, you know, the rest of the lead and you know, do it together. You know, through the ups and downs. So. You know, I think the goal is always the same. Uh, take one game at a time and, you know, always want to win. Yeah, and Nate has talked about, you know, you, you and Trey both running units individually, but also together. I mean, how has it been building that chemistry with that starting five? I mean, it's been good. Uh, 
you know, we, I'm learning the plays each and every day as we go. So, you know, I'm getting more comfortable and comfortable there. And, uh, you know, if Trey got the ball, I'm running. And one thing about me, I'm going to adapt. I'm going to adjust uh, to the game. Uh, you know, and I play hard. So I think that makes us for a lot of things. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, we're a long way where we're trying to go. But I think we're in the right, the right road. What has been the most challenging part about kind of adapting? I mean, I know you're a professional, but there's still challenges that come come your way. I mean, what has been the hardest thing to overcome? Uh, I mean, it's basketball at the end of the day. And like I said, uh, they do a great job here uh, from the whole organization, from helping me take care of my body, the weight room, to the basketball stuff. So, you know, they're making it smooth. You know, for me, it's just going to take time. I'm, yeah. I was in San Antonio six years, and now I'm in Atlanta. So, you know, anybody, uh, it'll be regular to, to go through the same thing and take time. So I'm just enjoying it. Uh, like I said, do the ups and downs. You know, I'm going to take it one day at a time. Shante, Houston was a division rival for you. You know, we play them twice a year. It's like an exhibition game. So what can we expect from the Rockets? Well, they look better. You know, I watch a lot of basketball. Uh, when I say they look better, obviously they got some talent over there. Uh, but they look more comfortable, you know, with the NBA game. The game's slowing down for a bunch of them. So, you know, they're going to play hard. Uh, you know, like I said, they're talented. And, you know, we can't take them for granted. We got to go out, uh, play hard, and, and handle business. Energy level difference between preseason and regular season. Do you sense that now? That oh, yeah, it's go time. Uh, you know, it's the NBA. It's no joke. You know, each and every night it's going to be a battle. Uh, and you just got to be ready to go out and produce and do what you do. Having gone through the preseason, where are you as a team on the defensive end and what has to happen for you to be where you want to be? Well, obviously, we're not that team that uh, gave up 40 points in the first quarter uh, versus the Pelicans. And, uh, you know, obviously we want to grow in that, you know. We, we, we preach our goals and what we want on the defensive end, uh, you know, as a unit from the coaches to players. And, you know, we got to keep building and we got to trust each other, you know. Uh, understand that if I get beat, somebody has my back, you know. Help the helper, have your teammates back. So we got to do it together. And uh, I think we'll get there because you got a bunch of guys here that, you know, want to win. So, you know, what comes with winning starts in the defensive end. And if you don't do that, then you don't have no chance to win. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, yep. See you guys.